things just got out of hand. All right, Nathan Bennett, episode 26. Uh, if you couldn't tell, I'm a little tired for this episode because it's 7 in the morning, but I'm still trying to bring that energy, so let's get right into it. So this episode, we're going to do sort of the same thing we did last week, just go through the playoff games. Um, I was expecting the Bucks to close it out last night, but they didn't, so we're going to go over game six rather than the whole series. And then I'm recording this at on Saturday in the morning, so uh, once this has been uploaded... The Suns-Mavs Game 7 will have already played. Um, and, yeah, I think that'll be it for the um, second round, if I remember correctly. So, Grizzlies, um, Grizzlies-Warriors finished out last night. And Heat, 76ers finished out last night, all that. So, let's get into it. So, again, I want to talk about defense a lot. Um, but before that, uh, I'm going to go ahead and announce the loser of the week. So, uh, I said that there would be a change to loser of the week. I said that I'm going to allow more interaction with you guys, and I wanted you guys to actually vote on loser of the week now. So, I put up the first poll for loser of the week last week, and it was between the Nets the Timberwolves coach and Bogdanovich and no surprise the Nets ended up overwhelmingly winning it like 80 to 20 um, with the other two being like 10% each to equal that that 20 but the Nets obviously getting swept took like 80% of the vote for loser of the week so Brooklyn Nets loser of the week and for this week we have a new poll, which again will be on my Instagram and Twitter, so go follow me there. So we have Doc Rivers for just being Doc Rivers, you know. Um, everybody was joking about he, he he's just a terrible coach, just straight up. I've made videos about him. I'm debating making another video about him because he's just a bad coach. He doesn't deserve to be a head coach. And the 76ers just announced they're going to re-sign him as head coach, which is just a terrible idea. But everybody was saying, you know, he's riding that two, uh, 2008 championship with the Celtics, and I completely agree. And in the, in the video that I did make about him, he doesn't even deserve that 2008 championship either. You know, that was all, that was all the assistant coach. So he's been writing an achievement that he's not even really responsible for for like almost 15 years at this point. And he just should not be in any coaching position in the NBA because he's just a terrible coach. So um, Doc Rivers in there, not really for anything specific, just being Doc Rivers for loser of the week. And then... The second one is actually from the same team, so James Harden. James Harden, of course, had atrocious shooting uh, for Game Six, where the Heat beat them and eliminated them. Uh, they were he was I think zero for two the entire second half, so only took two shots in the entire second half and missed both of them, uh, which is sort of getting into, you know, the Ben Simmons territory that we got mad at him. Uh, so much for which led to this trade where Ben Simmons went zero for z zero for zero 
almost the entire Hawks series last year. And he was something like 2 for 17 or 5 for 17. Let me check. In the first half as well. Let me just double check it real quick. So he went 4 for 9 and 3 for 7 the whole game. Let me just get this here. I want to try and get basketball reference because I love basketball reference and I use them. So. Alright, 3 for 7 and 4 for 9. I'm trying to get the, the split so I can tell y'all first half, second half. But they showed it during the game and... I think I think it was zero for two second half and like two I don't know. But I mean if we look at the previous games you can even just look at the plus minus. Plus minus uh negative sixteen for game six, a whole negative twenty nine for game five. I mean it speaks for itself. Um, Embiid in an interview said that I th uh, he said I think a lot of people were expecting Houston James Harden and James Harden just isn't that anymore which I'm going to make a video on but James Harden just is not the same and I think that people have to sort of accept that at this point you know everybody's asking what happened to James Harden what's the solution um, and I don't think there is a solution. I think this is just sort of how it is now. Uh, you know, players get in and out of their prime, and I think James Harden's best years are behind us. And I'll, I'll dive more into that at a later date, either later in this episode or whenever I make the video about it. But the third one I have on here for Loser of the Week is George Hill, because man, oh, man... George Hill, uh, I don't know why Mike Budenhoser keeps him in the game. Because um, I, I was debating putting Mike in for Loser of the Week or George Hill. But Mike Budenhoser keeps George Hill in for these games. And he has scored zero points pretty much this entire series. He went 0 for 3 in this last game and he's just doing basically shit all um he he had one rebound that entire game and that was his only stat and like i know people say get Giannis some help and and all that which i'll go into in a minute but george hill specifically we keep him in the game for so long and he doesn't really do anything um, I'm I'm much more a fan of of Bobby Portis. I think Bobby Portis plays a really good defense, and you know that's really what we needed in this game. You know, again, I'm gonna go into into really the defense in these games because I think that's what's on display. But George Hill just did not come with what we needed this series, and we're going to a game seven, so. I'm hoping some changes get made. 
but George Hill just didn't seem to really do anything that entire game. And he had a very, very low stats. Again, the only thing that shows up in his box score is his minutes and his rebounds. And he played like 30 minutes, and he only got one rebound, zero points, zero steals, zero blocks, zero assists. You know, so uh, that's why I have him on Loser of the Week because, you know, Twitter and Instagram were blowing up about George Hill. Just, you know, he's really what killed Game 6 for us. And Mike Budenhoser leaving him in um, further exaggerated that problem because we could we could have switched him out at any time during that game. So that's what I got for loser of the week. So again, that poll will be on my Twitter and Instagram for y'all to go vote. So so speaking of George Hill, let's get into the Bucks Celtics series. So the two biggest matchups, obviously, we see here is Giannis versus Tatum. Uh, both of them have extreme heart. You know, they're sort of trying to carry their teams. Jason Tatum had the third or fourth highest points in a elimination playoff game since, um, since Paul Pierce. And he tied Paul Pierce, uh, or did he... When they brought it up, he scored, he had 41 to tie Paul Pierce. But I think that he ended the game with more than that. I think he ended up with like 46 when the game was all said and done. Yeah, so he had 46 points. And the most points by Celtics player... An elimination game. You can go to that real quick. Most points in an elimination game in Celtics history. So 47 is Sam Jones. 46 Paul Pierce. And then 46 Jason Tatum. So he tied Paul Pierce for uh, third. But on the other end, we also have Giannis as well, of course, dropping, is it 44 and 20? Let me check just one more time. I had this stuff written down, but I don't know where my paper went, so I apologize. So 44, yeah, 44 and 20. So, as expected, both really came and played out with heart. Both were carrying their teams. Um, Giannis doing what Giannis does. And I think we got to see a lot of his jump shot these past couple games, uh, whether that be a good or a bad thing. Because I know it was a big issue in Game 5. You know, we kept leaving... Uh, the Celtics kept leaving the Giannis open on the 3, and Giannis would just get this big massive boost of confidence inside him uh being left open and so then they would just like let Giannis shoot the three and then Giannis would miss it and everybody you know was telling Giannis you like stop shooting the three go through the paint like you always do so it's good that Giannis has a good jump shot but I think that he's he's trying to do too much with it and Anytime he gets open to take a jump shot, he just decides to go for it. And a lot of the time, it just doesn't work. 
Um, you know, everybody was going crazy about his jump shot at the beginning of the season, and it's just, it didn't, it, it wasn't as crazy as everybody was making it out to be the, uh, the start of the season. So, Giannis, uh, the first 40-20 game since Shaq, and, I mean, again, that just goes to show Giannis can't do it all on his own. Um, Giannis is, is putting the team on his back, and we're still losing. And I made a tweet, and if you want, I will read the tweet out right now. But it was something along the lines of, no matter if the Bucks or Celtics win, Giannis is still the greatest player of the league because of what he's able to do like that. So I said, despite the loss, Giannis is still the greatest in the league. 44-20, and 20, the first 40-20 playoff game since Shaq. And this is the next thing I want to get into in the Bucks because this is the rest of my tweet. I said, if Drew was more aggressive defensively, we had that. The dude only had one foul the whole game and wasn't contesting shots well in the fourth. We needed some more steals like Wednesday. So what do I mean by that? If we look at the finals last year, obviously the big highlight is Drew Holiday gets a steal, alley-oops it to Giannis, Giannis dunks it, and that secures the lead for the Bucks in those last final seconds. Then we go to Wednesday night, pretty much the exact same thing happens. Drew Holiday, freaking, uh, Drew Holiday steals the ball, and that secures the win with, you know, nine seconds left because we get a steal with 110 to 107. And I feel like Drew Holiday really didn't bring that energy out last night. You know, with, uh, Drew Holiday only had one foul in the fourth quarter, but yet anytime he was guarding somebody that went up for the shot, it seemed like he didn't even do anything other than throw his arms up. He didn't jump. He didn't try and contest it. He just threw his arms up. Which I get if you're in foul trouble, like Giannis was in foul trouble. But again, he only had one foul that entire game. He had one foul going into the fourth. So you can use those saved up fouls that you haven't drawn in the fourth quarter and try and play more aggressive. Because what we really needed was him to play bully ball again and just get a bunch of steals um, and just give us more possessions from him playing like Drew Holiday. And I think that's sort of a matchup that's equivalent uh, to Giannis and Tatum as well. Obviously, Giannis and Tatum is the offensive powers of both teams, but then you also have the defensive powers of both teams, which is Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart obviously winning Defensive Player of the Year this year, but Drew Holiday seems to be much more offensive on the defensive end than on the offensive end when it comes to playoffs. And I think that's another really good matchup to watch is Drew Holiday versus Marcus Smart. Who defends better? Um, and that's really all I got for that one. But uh, obviously, Jason Tatum and Giannis showed up, and they just need the rest of the team to show up. And that's, that isn't what happened. Uh, but Tatum was able to to get a win in Milwaukee, just like we got a, a win in Boston. And you know, I'm ready for this game seven. I want the Bucks to win, but regardless if they win or lose, Giannis is still the best player in the league. I mean, with what he's been able to accomplish 
in these playoff games, setting records. So, so let's go in the, into the next one. Obviously, 76ers versus the Heat. So 76ers versus the Heat is the exact opposite of what I'm, I just talked about with the Bucks. With the Bucks, I said uh, both teams really played with heart. Both teams wanted it. You know, the Celtics didn't want to go home. The Bucks wanted to close it out. And it's the exact opposite with the 76ers and the Heat. It just seemed that the 76ers, game, both Game 5 and Game 6, just sort of gave up. You know, Embiid got Embiid got injured again. He got elbowed in the in his broken bone, uh, in his skull, and it seemed after that the 76ers just said, "Well, our season's over," and they had zero energy. And I was talking about this on CJ's live, uh, so go check uh, CJ out if y'all saw any of that. Uh, CJ Hoop Talks does like a live video for the last five or two minutes of the game. And I was talking to him about it on his live. But they they just had zero energy, the 76ers. They, they just gave up, and they weren't defending well. They were really lazy on both ends of the floor, especially the defensive floor. Um, Bam Adebayo uh, was the opposite. Bam Adebayo had really great defense. He was defending hard and well. He was still uh, defending Joel Embiid well, you know, getting blocks. And I said that I could – I said earlier in the season I could easily see Bam Adebayo being on the defensive player of the year ladder because he brings an essential uh, component of defense to that Heat team. And them playing defense, again, is a main factor to that win. But I feel like the more and more the Heat defended, the less and less the 76ers put into to playing on either end of the floor. And, of course, we can go into what I've sort of already talked about a little bit, which is playoff Harden. And it's sort of become a meme at this point that anytime Harden gets into playoffs, he just chokes and doesn't perform well. And, again... I'm, I'm going to make a whole video on this, so I'm not really going to spend time on it too much right now. But Harden is not the player that we know him to be anymore. His best years are behind him, and that's that. And I know there's the big question looming, you know, do we give James Harden the max contract? And I'm going to go with the general consens consensus here that I've seen, which is you don't give him the max. You either talk him down to a lower deal or you let him try free agency uh, because he just isn't doing it. Uh, again, on the defensive end, just being really lazy, leaving threes open for the Miami Heat. And the Heat just pretty much took any points they wanted because after the the first quarter... It, it just seemed like the 76ers didn't care. They were like, our season's over, and let's just let's just run out the clock and let this be over with so we can all go home. And there was a tweet by StatMuse. Excuse me. StatMuse made a tweet that said, the Kings have been to the conference finals 
uh, more recently than the 76ers, which is crazy to me. Because the 76ers have always like have always lost in the second round or the first round is basically what that tweet is saying. So I saw some other memes going around as well that was like, do we start the process over again? And I don't think we do that because that's just, again, wasting Joel Embiid. And everybody was getting mad that we were wasting Joel Embiid with the whole Ben Simmons debacle because Joel Embiid's playing out there basically with no point guard. Well, now he has a point guard, but James Harden, again, just isn't performing. So what can we do to get better pieces around Embiid again? We thought Harden was going to be it, and he just isn't it. So uh, Harden, if he goes to free agency, we don't get any pieces for him. Um, so that's just a, a question. What do we do to help him beat out? And again, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers just terrible coach. And I can leave it at that. And Jimmy Butler... He made it personal, you know. He used to he used to play on the 76ers and I'm sure he'll get fined uh because getting going into the tunnel, um you know, he he made a point about that. He said y'all chose uh Tobias Harris over me. So uh there's that old story that Jimmy Butler uh was on the bench at the on the 76ers and he said uh let me play all the starters and then he ended up uh whooping everybody. Uh, or was that was that on the Timberwolves or the 76ers? Hang on. I don't want to get the story wrong. Okay, so it was on the Timberwolves, so my bad. But the story still stands. You know, he was like, you know, play your starters against me in the third strings. And he beat all of them. And so he demanded a trade. And the 76ers, you know, they let Ben Simmons control everything. And Ben Simmons said, I wanted to be the star of the team. You know, let Jimmy Butler go. And so they did. And then just a couple years later, Ben Simmons wants out as well. And so now you're stuck with no point guard again, which we uh, went into a little bit. You know, we the, the 76ers have cycled so many point guards now. They had Jimmy Butler. They let Jimmy Butler go for Ben Simmons. Then Ben Simmons says he wants out. So now you have nobody. So then you get James Harden. And then James Harden just doesn't do what you want him to do. And now you're stuck in this position. And Jimmy Butler wanted to make a point about it, saying, you know, you could have had me and you let me go for somebody that complains about mental health and back injuries that has been riding the bench for both you and the Nets now. So, so Suns-Mavs, again, uh, excellent defense. Uh 
Jalen Brunson just being an absolute monster out there on the defensive end. Uh, I I specifically wrote his name down because as I was watching, just Jalen Brunson was getting steals, getting blocks. You know, he was uh really pressuring CP3 and other players. So the Mavericks again, much like Jimmy Butler, uh, made it personal because of the whole Luca Booker uh, debate. I saw that um, Luca had more points than both CP3 and Booker combined that game. So the the Luca the Luca versus uh, Booker debate is just so stupid because Luca is obviously better. Um, there is another tweet by StatMuse that said that nobody has ever averaged thirty six and six in the playoffs. And right now, Luka's averaging 33-9-9. So he's the only player in NBA history to ever do this. And, yeah, the Mavs, they just showed that Luka is better than Booker, and it's always going to be that way. And I think that whole debate is stupid because it is is no debate. Luka's obviously better. Um, And Jalen Brunson, and they just all... Played defense really, really well, which again has been the major component to some of these wins that we've seen. Uh, and I also wrote Spencer Dinwiddie's uh, name down too because, sort of into either the first or second quarter of that game, Luca had to leave with knee pain, and while Luca was dealing with that, Dinwiddie was hitting threes all over the place. He was able to to secure the lead for the Mavs while they were while Luca was out and sort of helped the Mavs not blow that lead. And then they just went off and and won the game. So now we're going to Game 7, which is going to play later tonight from when I record this. Whenever it goes up, y'all will have already seen it. But um, lots of open looks for the Mavericks as well. So the Suns just didn't defend well, um, leaving a lot of, of threes open for, again, Dinwiddie, when Luca was gone, or Luca whenever he was in the game, and I just think that's really good coaching from the Mavs having having Dinwiddie sort of uh, be in there for Luca's position. So that's all I got for the playoff games so far. Um, or actually, I forgot to write down the the Memphis uh, Warriors. So I'll talk about that real quick. So Memphis Warriors, I didn't write any notes down, so this is gonna be all from my memory, but. The Memphis Grizzlies have been playing way better without Jaw than with him, and I think that raises a big question of what we do with Jaw. But uh, the reason that they perform so well without Jaw again goes to defense. You know, I'm I'm gonna be talking about defense throughout this entire playoffs because this is what I think is important. This is what excites me. But there there was a report that came out that was. Uh, that I read that was saying why Memphis is so much better without Jaw than with him, and it's because Jaw's defense is lacking. Um, Jaw obviously does really good on the offensive end, can score 40, 50 points in the regular season, but when it comes to defense, he's really, really lacking on defense, and so whenever Jaw's out, we have these rotations of really, really good defensive players, um, which causes the other score to score very low. I mean, we can go back to OKC 
where OKC got blown out by like 73 points because they were just able to defend OKC and not let them score anything. And that's what they've been doing without Jaw. So they don't need uh they don't need Jaw on offense because they're evening out that score by causing more missed shots for the other team. And I think that's just a question of do we coach Jaw up on defense? Do we create some new sort of rotations? You know, um that's just a, a question for what we do in the off season and what they do um, this next coming season. And, and Taylor J- uh, Jenkins is an amazing coach, so I'm excited to see what he does with that because if we're performing better without Jaw, then obviously that, that raises some issues. But still wasn't enough last night because no matter how well you defend, the Warriors are still the Warriors. And they're going to do what they do best. So Warriors came to their home court and they shot the same way they always do from behind the arc and they were able to close it out. But Memphis, the whole first half, still uh, kept it a close game. You know, Memphis was up for a while there until the Warriors came back and closed it out. Um, I think it was... 102 to 95 something similar to that i'll pull it up but it was actually a lot closer than a lot of people might have expected because again they were able to play such excellent defense yeah 110 to 96 so and then let's go to the box score here so memphis 44 8 and 6 for rebound steals blocks but Golden State actually played better on the the rebounding end. Had almost had 70 rebounds, almost double what Memphis had. And then 10 blocks. So, and those blocks didn't even come from who you would expect it to come from. You know, Draymond Green, who has won defensive player of the year, who many would say is, you know, obviously the defensive anchor for the Warriors actually had zero blocks in that game and three of them came from Andrew Wiggins and another three of them came from Clay Thompson versus if we go to Triple J Triple J had three or no four blocks in that game so it's just a game of even with the Warriors shooting the way they usually do from the three it just becomes a defensive game and the Warriors actually ended up playing better defensively there with the blocks and, and rebounds. Um, but the the Grizzlies do much better on the defensive end without Jaw, which is one reason they, they're they 21-6 without Jaw. So that's really all I got for that. So, so the next thing I want to talk about is the ref scapegoat. So I've talked about this a little bit with Swiss Eel, but... The refs really get a raw deal in these games because anytime that anybody does anything bad, the first thing we point the finger out is the refs. Do the refs deserve it a little bit? Absolutely, because I remember in the Bucks game, they tried to give Giannis a charge for his fifth foul, which would have taken him out of the game, and they ended up challenging it, and it got overturned. So do the refs do dumb stuff? Yes. But... 
anytime that a player gets a foul or anything like that for the home team, immediately the the court starts chanting, you know, ref, you suck. No matter what court you're in, I feel like I feel like no matter what NBA team rivalry you have, you know, the Spurs versus Lakers, you know, Golden State versus Cleveland or whatever, I feel like every single NBA team sort of has the same enemy, which is the refs, which when you think about it, wouldn't make much sense if you think that the refs are against your team, then they would be for the other team. But if both teams don't like the refs, then it that doesn't really make sense logically. But anytime anything goes bad in a game, the first thing that every fan points to immediately is the refs. You know, they talk about all the bad calls, all the missed calls, all the calls that were made that shouldn't have been made, all the things that were called fouls that weren't fouls, all the things that were fouls that weren't called fouls, um, and just so on. Um, I just completely lost my train of thought. It, yeah, I, I think the refs, obviously, do they do... Do they do things that deserve criticism? Absolutely, because they make dumb calls, and that's the reason we have the whole challenge. But I feel like sometimes the the fans can be too hard on them because, I mean, again, anytime anything bad happens, it's just ref, you suck. And then anytime a team loses or anything like that, it's, you know, Bucks versus refs, Celtics versus refs, Suns versus refs. They never want to actually dive into what a team did good or what a team did bad. They only want to focus on the refs. And I think that takes, you know, a significant toll on the refs, obviously. Um, and you could say, you know, it's part of the job, but it shouldn't be. You know, we should be... A little bit easier on the refs because you know they're human as well and again I talked about this a little bit more with Swiss Eel so I defended the refs a little bit because I, I, I do still have my gripes with the refs I think the refs can do be a lot better and th that gets into the whole NBA becoming soft debate but we shouldn't be screaming at them after every single call you know So the last thing I got on here, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, is the change to awards. So we have a new conference finals MVP, and I've, I've heard some mixed reviews about it. Some people think it's dumb. Some people are like, oh, okay, cool. Um, who do I think will win it this year? If the Bucks advance, I think it will obviously be Giannis. Uh, the Warriors will probably advance, so it will probably be Curry. Um, and I, th I like what they're named after though. They're la they're named the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson trophy. So Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, their rivalry is sort of what saved the NBA. You know, we wouldn't be talking here now. We wouldn't be watching any of these games if it weren't for Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. So I love the naming that they came up with. Um, they also obviously changed the uh some of the other trophies they changed the finals mvp trophy and i don't really like the new finals mvp trophy 
I kind of liked the contrast that it had with the silver. Um, I really liked the silver on the finals MVP and then the gold on the the Larry O'Brien, but they just made both fully gold. Um, I don't know. I just visually, I really liked seeing the contrast between the gold and the silver. But I, I guess the the reasoning there that I can see is, you know, well, it's for the championship. It gets the finals MVP, so we should make it gold for first place and all that, just like the Larry O'Brien, which I get. Just I liked seeing the silver. Um, and then, obviously, the new Larry O'Brien. I really like the new Larry O'Brien. And I was talking to Swiss Eel about this, and I don't watch hockey, so I didn't know this. But he said for the Stanley Cup, they uh, they etch all the championships names into the Stanley Cup, and now they're doing that for the Larry O'Brien. They're etching all the names from the championship team into the Larry O'Brien, as well as all of the old championship teams for the 75th anniversary, which is really cool. So um, I think it'll definitely take some getting used to with the cylindrical base or uh, a circle base I mean uh, when it's had a square base for so long but uh, in regards to having the whole names etched and everything like that I really enjoy that I think that's uh, gonna be really cool and uh, it helped me come up with some ideas of my own that I may want to do for the channel but y'all are just gonna have to wait and see for that so Game six, Mavs versus Suns tonight. Um, I'm really going for the Mavs. Uh, I wanted it to be Mavs versus Memphis because I thought that would be a lot more entertaining than just having the Warriors there for the millionth time. But Warriors are a Warriors, so they went to the conference finals. The Heat are in the conference finals, and now we have a game seven for Boston versus the Bucks. And uh, I want it to be the Bucks. You know, at the start of the season, I predicted that. The Lakers would miss the playoffs. That was correct. And then I I predicted that the Nets were going to struggle with Kyrie. I was correct with that. And then I predicted Bucks warriors finals. So if I get all those right on the money, I'm going to be very excited. But again, I know this is a bit of a shorter episode, but that's all I got for this one, guys. So I will see you all in the next one. Be sure to like, subscribe, all that nonsense. Uh, it really helps me out. I'm on 330 subscribers right now i'm trying to hit 500 by the end of the year so please go like and share and subscribe and and all that um and i think that's it for this episode go uh do the loser of the week poll over on my instagram and twitter and nathan budnett episode 26 guys